Good morning, sports fans. Welcome to Hebsey on Sports. Uh, this is episode 327. It's the day after the Blue Jays won their first of 95 regular season games en route to the ALCS. Wait, not the World Series, Hebsey? Uh, the ALCS, come on, you're not going to get there in one fell swoop. It's going to be close. It's going to be a great season. Sit back and enjoy. Only 161 more games plus the playoffs. And many, many pre- and post-game shows, if you're watching the Jays. <laughs> we'll go over their thrilling comeback win yesterday. Like I said, 94 more to go, and my prediction rings true. We'll see what's in store for the weekend and beyond for your Toronto Blue Jays. It's going to be a great season. This afternoon, um, or that afternoon, uh, Gab Fest, which was known as Tim and Sid, um, and then morphed into Tim and Friends, is no longer. Um Reports of his demise uh, are not greatly exaggerated. They are absolutely true. The show will end April 11th. So you got a few weeks until the Jays home opener and the final show there. Uh, kind of like a farewell tour. A lot of tears will be shed. You know, it's like when Sid left a couple years ago and he announced in February that he was leaving in like May. And it was like everybody that came on, the show, oh, Sid, we're going to miss you. Oh, we're going to have the same thing? Let's hope not. By the way, Tim, a good addition already to Sportsnet Central, especially since they're going to need a lot of time to fill that post-game show now that baseball games are going to be like an hour and a half. <laughs> Other media news on the way as well. We'll talk about uh, your usual dose of the Maple Leafs and the Raptors, who are both like they both have, I think, the same number of games left or whatever in the playoffs start at the same time. It's uh, basket hockey season. It's the postseason. The latest on Bianca Andreescu. Oh, my. I've never experienced so much pain in my life. She was uh, heard screaming. Anyway, we'll talk about the all-time drama queen of tennis. Stick around as Toronto Mike will try to replicate that blood-curdling scream. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That was scary. Uh, and I want to start with a pop quiz, Mike, if you don't mind. Okay, hit me. I'm going to give you the nickname of a sports venue, and you tell me... The real name of that venue. Okay. Got it? Yeah. Number one, the yeah. house that Ruth built. Yankee Stadium. Correct. The world's most famous arena. You know, I don't know. Chicago Stadium. Madison Square Garden. Oh, I should have known that. Come on, You should have known that. I didn't know that was a nickname. And the easiest one of them all, the friendly confines. Uh, Wrigley Field. No. No, I'm okay. Sorry. Uh, no, Fenway no, Park. Fenway Park. Sportsnet. No, 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 no. Not according to Roger Sportsnet. No, no. <laughs> No, hockey game the other night. Opening theme, opening, uh, opening, um, um, cre not credits. What am I saying? The opening to the right. show. Okay. okay? <laughs> Leafs are at home. Leafs but are at home again at the Scotiabank Arena. Oh, it's not the Scotiabank Arena. Leafs are at home at the friendly confines. No. Um, you don't like that. You can't, you can't use that. <laughs> okay. You can't, Mike. Yeah. You can't use that. You can't use the same trademark. You couldn't say, oh, here we are at the Rogers Center, the house that, uh, <laughs> that, you know, Bautista built. That's sort of okay because people understand that you're referring to the house that Ruth built, but you can't use it directly. You can't say the world's okay. most famous arena when Madison Square Garden is the world's most famous arena, but you certainly can't call anything but Wrigley Field the friendly confines. You can't. You I, just can't do it. See, people don't know this, Hebsey. They need to be educated. No, but not that people. Come on. These are the producers of the, the, uh, of the Maple Leaf games. I forget which one. Was it Monday night, Wednesday night? David Amber was the voice. Okay. So whoever the producer was of that show should never have been mm -hmm. allowed, should never have used the friendly confines 
Okay. To describe the Scotiabank Arena. All right, I'm taking a note here. Uh, although I don't want to make any missteps, I'm just taking notes here. Do not read. You can't do that. Stadium. You can't do that. You just can't. The friendly confines, Wrigley Field. That's it. Right. You can't use it for anything else. It's like taking someone else's identity and saying, "Oh, I'm, you know, I happen to be so and so." No, you're not. No, right. You're not him. Right. We all know what he looks like. You can't take his identity. Like you another can't Mike call- can't just say, "I'm Toronto Mike." No, I'm Toronto Mike. No, the friendly confines have been around for years. It refers to only one place. Okay? Now, you can say to your friend, come over to my place. They call it the friendly confines. Sure. But you can't do it with a ballpark or an arena that's already been named years ago, the friendly confines. Come up with something else for Scotiabank Arena. God damn it. That's it. Okay, good point. Good point. How's it going, Hebsy? How are you doing? I'm doing great. Feeling fantastic here. Uh, Everything going well here at the Markham Studio, gateway to Stouffville. But... By the way, this studio, like just minutes ago, mm-hmm. was being used for a very um, high-profile uh, uh, um, uh, meeting, very high-up meeting. Okay, my girlfriend's uh, business that she's in. So it was there was a lot going on down wow. here. Already like minutes, like minutes ago, and it's like, only nine a.m. I don't know, is the smoke still here? Oh, it was an eight a.m. meeting. What? Like okay, big time, big big time. That's meeting. a big meeting. And so the smoke like hasn't even cleared like back here okay wow and like it's like i'm gonna do a show pretty soon and then it was like all right you know okay it's available <laughs> studios available let's go down here she's closing <laughs> like a billion dollar deal and you're like it's time for hebsy on sports hebsy i need to <laughs> curve out like 30 seconds off the top because on behalf of you i want to wish uh i want to offer my uh, sincere condolences to brian gerstein whose father passed away i'm sorry to hear that he's a good man and um yeah, 97, I, I believe. Uh, sounds like a, a good full Kanae life. Nahora, 97 years old. Well done. Well done, Mr. Gerstein. And Brian does have a question for you later on when we do get to the Tim and Friends uh, segment. Yes. I have a question for, for yeah, him. Brian, may your father rest in peace and uh, may his memory be a blessing. 97. A good man. I'm sure you went to many ball games with him too. That's great. Expos, right? The Expos, they're Montreal. Well, les Expos sont là, oui. Speaking of terrible stadiums, we're going to talk about bad, lousy stadiums a little bit later on too, but that uh, Olympic Stadium in Montreal was one of the worst, horrible stadiums. A lot of times it, it was like there was no sunshine there. It was all concrete. It was, it was a horrible place. We're going to talk about crummy stadiums because uh, Rogers Centre was on the list, but hoping to move up <laughs> because of the renovations that nobody's right. seen. That's what I'm excited about. Someone was saying the other day, like, uh, what's the greatest stadium, the stadium, whatever. To me, I'm looking forward to, I really am. I want to see what this place looks like. How can they improve it? Because to me, from the outside, there's nothing they can do. There's nothing about the entrance into the place that's going to make it more welcoming. So once you're inside, there better be a huge wow factor. The other thing is people like to walk around. It's kind of like a it's like a ballpark, but it's also a museum. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like the concourse. And you know, oh, and, uh, yeah, yeah there's, oh, look at that. And there's a platform. There's Jamie so-and-so. Campbell. And uh, yeah, it's like, okay. Go settle over there. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I, I'm hoping that it's more, and fan-friendly is kind of a, well, what do you mean by fan-friendly? Like, you know, there's more toilets and uh, concessions <laughs> and like, what? well, it's the whole experience. And if the experience of, and when we go to Cleveland, we love walking around the concourse. Just start at home plate, walk all the way around. Along the way, you're going to get food. You're going to see interesting people. You can check out what's going on in the bullpens. Like they're going to have at Rogers Center. You know, you can actually see the pitchers warming up right there and lean over. It's great. So I'm looking forward to that as well. But but for now, mm-hmm. the team is on the road. And yesterday they're in like, you know, the like the the cradle of American baseball. The Midwest is is Bush Stadium in St. Louis, a fabulous stadium. And, and St. Louis Cardinal fans are unlike fans of any other 
um, team. And here's why. Before everybody moved west, before the Dodgers and Giants went in the late 50s, and even after that, um, anyone from the Midwest and, and beyond west was a St. Louis Cardinals fan, if they were a baseball fan, because all the Cardinal games were on radio on the very powerful KMOX radio out of St. Louis. Clear channel, 50,000 watts. You can get it, you can get it in like 38 states. And so uh, St. Louis was the furthest west you could go. I mean, Chicago is a little, you know, a little further north and maybe, but St. Louis. So everybody from the Midwest and beyond was a Cardinals fan. All right. In, in like, like they had like 80 stations on their network. You could get it anywhere. And this has been going on for like, you know, since radio began. So a hundred years of Cardinal fans, right. Versus, you know, 45, 47 years of Blue Jay fans in Canada. You know, we got other things to do. This, this was a, a, like a religion for the Cardinals. So you're starting your season in St. Louis and the whole big thing and like that big, you know, pregame ceremony opening day, 2023 Cardinals are a good team. Right. And, and, and before any of it even starts, they fucking Adam Wainwright jumps out of the freaking lineup and uh, goes and sings the national anthem. Right. <laughs> like I, my mind is blown to me. That's like, I don't know. I'm just trying to think that would be like, like who's a veteran, like who's the longest serving Toronto athlete? Oh. Who would be the longest serving one? here michael know. bradley yeah no i don't include i'm not i'm talking about oh you're not talking okay. Jays. let's see this for example let's just say pascal siakam came out like we're about to start ladies and gentlemen Toronto Raptors, blah, 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 blah. and now to sing our now and now he jumps out of the line and he runs goes to the mic and he starts to sing oh canada let's say right like people would just like what the hell what the fuck <laughs> if morgan right? riley then, might be and, and he's not even morgan old, R- yeah. let's just say so sure. so now and he's singing along and you're and then he hits he's not a professional singer right and you know you've heard this song a million times but oh it's morgan riley and now he his voice cracks maybe or hits kind of a note and you're like Ooh, i don't know it's kind of cringeworthy <laughs> so as adam wainwright is singing the national anthem i'm like um no Mm. Nah, no. It, it, what it does is, it's does bad. it devalue the national anthem, or is the national anthem already devalued to the yeah. point where it's, it's like happy birthday? Like he may as well have gone happy birthday to you, hello birthday, St. Louis Cardinals fans, and you know everybody <laughs> knows the words, and it's kind of we hear the song so often. I didn't just, think he did a bad know. job, Hebsey, and it reminded me. Do you remember when Roy Lee Jackson would uh, sing the uh, national anthem? But here's the difference. Yeah, I was at that game against okay. Texas. Roy Lee Jackson had a beautiful voice and was a I want to say a professional, but was a semi-professional singer. Better singer like he than... He had sung... Oh, he was a singer in the choir. He had, okay. like, in high school in Alabama. I mean, he had a beautiful voice. Okay. Well-known. But, I mean, Adam Wainwright... Fucking like, I didn't you know, think it was so bad, Hebsey. I didn't think it was oh, so bad. On. It oh, had that God, country... Used, but, Mike, you're used to listening to a professional. Okay. Like, the version of O Canada was beautiful. That uh, violinist was fantastic. Mm. Wonderful. Creative. Right. Well, it's his last season, right? Give him, uh, give him. Some I don't give a fuck. I don't give a shit. It was lousy. Okay, as a pitcher, he's a great, great. As a singer, no, no. I want to hear professional. He's a professional. Okay, or at the very least, let him. He wasn't pitching that day, right? Let him sing. Uh, take me out to the ball game or, or God bless America or whatever the fuck they do in the seventh inning in these, in some of these places, like in Toronto, they do, okay, blue Jays in these other places they do. And now to honor America, right. God bless America. Here's Adam Wainwright. See, nobody cares. Heavy, nobody cares. It's more interesting to hear a player sing it than who cares. This thing's been so devalued. It doesn't no, mean not. anything it's anymore. Not. It's not. 
It's not. Mike, here's what it would be. It would be like the anthem singer coming out and starting being the starting pitcher. It would be exactly like that. Who gives a fuck? Throw out the opening pitch is one thing, but now i got to sit there for a minute and a half and listen to you fucking butcher the national anthem? No. <laughs> Get out of here. It was shit. That's all I'm going to say. Don't Thank hold God back. Ball- Thank God it was a good ball game. <laughs> Okay, let's get to Thank that ball God. game. I've been waiting how many months to hear Hebsey talk about a, a Blue Jay game that matters? Well, you saw it doesn't matter. It, made, it doesn't, doesn't, matter. doesn't matter at all. We all knew. They're a good team, okay? Were you surprised with the fact that they scored one no, no, run in the dude, seventh? On the two runs here. in the eighth and two runs in the ninth? We all knew they could no. hit. We all knew they could hit. Were you surprised that Alec Manoa got back? No, I'm not surprised because opening day is totally different. You got got to wait around. The timing is different. Oh, we got to listen to Adam Wainwright sing the national anthem. I got to wait for this. Now, what did the Jays do in the first inning? It took them like half an hour. So he's got to sit even longer. So there's just something about opening day where everybody's timing is off, where it's odd. Go back a million. Opening days are just different from every other day. They take the games take longer. Although yesterday there was a bunch of really short games. There are eight and a half inning games where the home team, you know, shut out the opponent. But for the most part, it just takes longer. And now with the pitch clock, that's great, but it's still, you know, 10-9. What the hell? Like, nothing surprised me in that game. Everything happened in that game. That game had everything. How many blue pits? The Jays had 19 hits. 15 of them were blue pits. They were. They yeah. had 16 singles and three doubles. Yep. <laughs> Manoa, it was all over the place. So was the other guy, Michaelis, Michaelis from, from St. Louis. They were all over the place. These guys, this, these are your starting pitch. These are the guys who a couple days ago, the manager said, we're giving you the ball for the most important game of the day. Right. Not the year, not the week. Okay. The mo- it's not the most important game. It's probably the least important game. <laughs> Because you've got 161 games to recover from whatever happened or something else, right? right? It's your basic hope springs eternal. If we win on opening day, is that a sign? Is it like the Robin finding the worm? Is it the harbinger? Fuck right off. <laughs> it's one game. It's one game out of 162. Not even one game out of 16 where it's an NFL schedule. Oh, we're already behind. 17. Well, or the, the NBA, which is just 82 games, or the NHL. No. One game, but it's opening day. So let, I mean, it was great. It was exciting. They won the one game. That's great. Now let's get to the rest of the season. Okay. We know Manoa's better than that. We know Springer's not going to get five hits every game, all of them bloops. Right. Right. He's not going to score four runs every game. We know that Bo Bichette, who, by the way, not a bad number two hitter, but his fielding all season long, Mike, here's what's going to happen. Ground ball to Bichette. Everybody's got their fingers crossed and he makes the play because every time there's a grounder now. We're going to go, oh, it's Bo. We don't do that with Chapman. We don't do that with Vladdy, who's spectacular, even better now. We don't do that with whoever's playing second base, Merrifield or Espinal or Biggio or I don't know, Garth Orge. Is he still playing? Um, <laughs> we don't, but we do it with Pichette. We do, we're not going to do it with any outfielders anymore. It's not like, oh, oh it's a fly ball to Lourdes. What the hell's going to happen now? Oh, day Oscar, Jesus. No, we don't have to worry about that. We got good fielders now, but Bichette. Is going to be now. Will you give up a possible MVP season at the plate for some shaky defense at shortstop, Mike? That's the question. Can you put up with Bo not being uh, a great fielding shortstop? Um, adequate is that enough if he hits like he does? Yes. Of Me course. too. Yeah. Me too. But you know that every day and every every game is shown. Every time the highlight. There's Bowie, takes a crow hop. What's what the throw? Why did I do him wrong? Well, that's going to happen, especially a shortstop where you get so many ground balls over the course of a season, right? That's okay. We can accept the fact. We can accept it. 
We had Tony Fernandez for years. We couldn't accept that. Tony, we expected Tony to be fantastic. He was a great fielder. Fielding doesn't usually slump. You don't go from being a great fielder to being a shitty fielder. You just don't, especially at the shortstop position. Maybe your range is limited as you get older. Maybe there's injuries. Essentially, if you're a good fielder, you stay a good fielder. And I can safely say, I think that Bo Bichette is not a good fielding shortstop. He needs to work on being an adequate fielding shortstop. <laughs> and that's all there is to it. Anyway, he had four hits, man. Ooh. And he's and he kills the ball, man. He's he's solid there. And Vladdy in the three spot was awesome. He had three RBI. He came up in key situations with men in scoring position and he delivered, especially in the ninth on a sack fly. I think it was an 0-2 or a 1-2 pitch. And it looked like when he swung at it, like, oh, he popped it up. But he's got so much power. Instead of trying to hit the ball out of the park, he said, I just let me just get the ball of the air deep enough to score the run from third. And he did that easily. And that was the go-ahead run in the ninth. Sack fly. Varsho, hey, two RBI. Looked pretty good out there in left field. Kirky, two RBI. Chapman, three hits. Kevin Kiermeyer, gold glove center fielder, couple of hits, solid defense. Jordan Romano, beauty save. One, two, three in the ninth. Bob's your uncle. Couple of punchies. Love it. Love it. Imagine if the Jays get some solid starting pitching. You got the makings of a juggernaut this year. And you got a balanced schedule this year, too, Mike. You don't have to play the Yankees and the Red Sox 19 times. You only have to play them 13 times this year. Only 13 times. You're going to play every team in the majors, at least one series. Every team. You're going to see them all. What we got? We got have, we're going to get the Dodgers. We're going to get the Angels. We got the Cardinals this week. The Royal. Everybody. It'd be so exciting when the Miami Marlins come to town, don't you think? The Atlanta Braves come to the Mets. I hate the Mets. <laughs> I hate the Mets more than the Yankees. Really? They're, yeah, they're just the whole organization. Just, I can't stand them. Really can't stand them at all. I didn't think I had hated them as much as I do. I just, I think it might go back even more years before <laughs> that. So, something, just something about the Mets, their attitude. I don't know what it is, man. Maybe, that, maybe it's the guys on the broadcast. Like the Keith Hernandez. Oh, he's a good like, mover, though. Keith Hernandez. He won't even discuss Philadelphia. So I don't even I don't, you know, <laughs> recognize them. Stuff like that. He's got a hate on for anything Philadelphia. And I could see that being from New York. Um, so, yeah, here's the Blue Jays deal. Great job by Ross Atkins. He put a good team on the field. Uh, probably the biggest concern I would have would be John Schneider, only because mm. of his inexperience at the major league level. But having said that... You know, he's got a hell of a team, and he's got some pretty good guys around him. Good guys surrounding him. Um, obviously, the third base coach he inherited from Charlie Montoyo, um, Louis Rivera, who, like, puts the stop sign up, and Bo Bichette's going, fuck you, I'm, I'm going home. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. Because Bo, in his mind, is kind of going, you know, I mean, I, I'm a pretty good base runner. And by the way, the, the Jays made zero base running mistakes yesterday. And on one, and on one, even on one play, and, and no throwing mistakes. They didn't throw to the wrong base. And there was one play where Varsho, uh, I'm trying to think what the situation was. Uh, it was a base hit with a runner at first. The guy goes first to third. Varsho could have maybe gotten the guy running first to third from left field, but instead he hesitated and then he threw to second to keep the double play in order. And Buck Martinez went, Oh my, what a great play. He called it a great play by Varsho. And I'm thinking, great play. Any good outfielder, oh, that's right. Lourdes would have for <laughs> sure tried to throw the guy out at third. Uh, Ramel Tapia for sure would have tried to throw the guy out at third. If it was Teoscar, he for sure would have tried to throw the guy out at third. And Varsho for a split second thought, and then went, no, got to keep the double play in order. And Buck was just going, goo-goo over that. Like, oh, what a great play. 
What a because we're not used to seeing that. We're like, no, don't, don't throw him a third. Don't go for that big play to get him at third base, right? Be smart. Keep the double play in order, right? You know, that kind of thing. So that was that was beautiful. But just the way he said that, it was almost like he was saying, There's no way <laughs> that Lourdes or or Tapia or Teoscar would have made the right move and thrown it to second. You Am know, I right? You know, you're absolutely right. I just want to chime in to say that uh, I walked through each position. Like I had Keegan Matheson here last week, and we just walked. Actually, yeah. this week. Uh, Sorry, how, how was I? I haven't heard that show yet. <laughs> I but, think you'll uh, enjoy it. Like we, so he broke down the. He broke down everything, so we went through position by position, and and basically, in a nutshell, other than DH, where he were kind of like uh, average, I suppose, at DH according to Keegan Matheson. At every other position, he's got the mm. Jays' top shelf. I'm telling you. Why bother playing the season? Like, this is a 99-win team, okay? This is 1985's Blue Jays. Mm, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> 1985's Blue Jays also made some acquisitions during the season, which bolstered the team. Right. Ron Hankey wasn't on the team to start the season. Uh, Al Oliver wasn't on the team to start the season. That's right. Um, I think Jeff Burroughs was there. I'm just, there were some other guys. They had to they, Those 85 Jays, there were two players on the team that they had to keep on the 25-man roster, Lou Thornton and Manny Lee or else they would have lost them to the original teams they drafted. So they right. were really playing with a 23-man roster right. back in 85. They really were. They really didn't utilize Manny Lee nor Lou and Thornton that year. They had to keep them. So that was some the makings of some team. You know, you had Bill Caudill was supposed to be a big star on that <laughs> yeah. team, and he failed, right. and Henke came along midseason. So there was a lot that went on. So let's just enjoy the season, okay? <laughs> and and I don't have to tell you about 162-game season. We've gone through this before, blah, blah, it's early. But enjoy each game uh, on its own because the next day there's another game. So the beauty of this is that you're not going to go back to, oh, that game two days ago in the seventh inning. No, it's, we've been through it. Right. This is what happens with baseball. You go over, you do the postmortem, should have done that, didn't do that, didn't do that. And then you say to yourself, okay, it's it's, it's a, you know, it's baseball. You're going to lose 65 games, 70 games, whatever number. Right. You have to be prepared that you are going to lose games in every possible way. Right. You're going to blow leads. You're going to come back and tie it and lose an extra innings. You're going to, what? there's a million things are going to happen, but you are going to lose. Your team is going to lose. They're going to lose lots of games, lots right. of games, 60 something games. Absolutely. Be prepared for it. So you're going on a journey. So along the way, you're going to get a flat tire. You're going to, you're going to have to go. You're going to have to pee. You're going to go to the bathroom somewhere. You're going to, you're going to have to eat in some crummy place where you really don't want, you're going to have to go through these adversities. It's going to happen. And anyone who thinks that it's not is out of their minds. You're dreaming in technicolor. Well, it's going to be a smooth drive all the way to California. No issues at all. <laughs> no. Oh, Come on. Right. Of course. It's baseball. Right? It's going to happen. It's going to break your heart. But, of course. But here's the thing is you should never fear with this team that they can't come back. Never. You're going to look at this lineup and go, any pitcher is going to go, who's going, oh, geez, look who's coming up now. Right. And it doesn't really matter. There aren't the weak spots, the gaps in the lineup that I, that there have been over previous years. And I'm not saying that the whole lineup's going to hit 300, but I mean, last year in baseball, I mean, I think the average for the league was like two. 230 or 240 something. It was one of the worst years for hitting. It was all about pitching and strikeouts, either strikeouts or home runs. And now you've, you've, you've added some dimensions to the game that I'm excited about. Base running, th their base running yesterday was like, you're going, oh, that's right. Varsho knows how to run the bases. Kiermaier knows how to run the bases, right? Springer, these guys know what it's like to get the jump off the bat. You're not going to think the other guys, some of the other guys didn't. Even Vladdy took a chance yesterday, and he was successful, whereas last year or the year before, 
on the basis he might not have been successful. You know, he might not have, but he's a more complete ball player now. And the only way you do it is you learn from your mistakes. So I don't find it, I, I don't see any weaknesses on this team. Are there other teams that have better, you know, better starting pitching or better? Maybe. But we're talking about a team that hasn't even, like, we've played one game. What happens later in the season when when Ryu comes back from Tommy John and Chad Green comes back from Tommy John? What, what happens when you add those guys to the roster? What if, God forbid, Nate Pearson dominates in AAA and now here's another live arm for your bullpen so that if Jordan Romano runs into a few problems, you, you got a Nate Pearson maybe if you need him, throw 102. Or you got to Swanson who looked pretty good. He can throw. These guys can all throw. And even though Yumi Garcia had some problems yesterday and coughed up a lead, it doesn't matter. You've got some live arms in that bullpen, right? You've got some potential. You've got some start, good starting pitching, okay? You know, you got Gosman going this weekend. you got Bassett going this weekend. Maybe Barrios, Barrios comes back with a good season. you got Kikuchi, who was awesome in spring training. Maybe yeah. he, you know, can settle down. It's very exciting. Very, very exciting. Good for Ross Atkins. Let's go see if the Jays can execute and perform at the highest level because they've now added professionals who know how to go wow. about their business wow. and keep their eyes on the prize. There you go. Well said, Hebsey. Well said. That was a who fun, did you fun watch game. Watch the ninth one. inning of last night's game. With, <laughs> okay, by the way, so yesterday's game. I watched the ninth inning of last night's uh, season opener for the Toronto Blue Jays with a guy named Paul Beeston. You heard of this guy, uh, Paul Beeston? <laughs> yeah. So how did it happen? I was at, uh, I, I, uh, I was well, invited. Did he have yeah. a visor on and was he smoking a cigar? <laughs> no cigar, not allowed to at the, the crooked queue, but he had his blue Jay cap on and, the uh, crooked queue on, on blue street. Yes, sir. Yeah. Really? That's upstairs there. Yeah. 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 It's a good spot. It was Why a good spot. Call me? I would have come for that. I, I was, uh, that's a great spot. I was invited to, uh, Steve Buffery's retirement party. Oh, I never got an invitation to that. I feel, I don't know how I'm the getting an invitation to it and not you, but. Uh, I don't know. The bees are one of my favorites. All right. Okay. I'm sorry you weren't a invited party? to that. Good party? I don't care. Well, a lot of interesting people, but anyways, Paul Beeston and I watched the ninth inning, which I thought was a fun fact. I've never met Paul Beeston before. I'm sure nice. you've, you've had many Jack, a cigar with Beeston. Do you enjoy his company? Yeah, he was actually a very nice man and uh, it was a he great is. chat. He is. When I, when I first started in radio, he, he, um, um, he gave me a, a real, um, uh, dressing down once in the uh, mm. just outside the Blue Jays press box, he um, uh, it was a night. It was like a Tuesday or Wednesday night. They were playing terrible uh, in the first couple seasons, and um, there was maybe a few hundred people in the stands. And I was in the press box, actually counting, like with my fingers, like counting people, so that on my radio show I would say there were you know 138 people left, and, I, and he was pissed. He thought I was embarrassing the ball club and that kind of thing. And, I, and I'm working for the station that has the radio rights, right? Right. And he was like, you know, and I was a young, I was young. I was 20, 21 years old, right? You know, wet behind the ears. And he pulled me aside and he says, you know, don't you ever, ever do that again, right? This is a professional ball club. You're supposed to be a professional. Uh, there's no reason to go about, you know, making fun of, uh, you know, this team and, you know, and the fans and counting how many people are there. Not good. For you know, for you to have a laugh or something like that, and uh, you know, it's like okay. And from that point on, like you know, there was a, uh, I guess, a respect and a, right. I didn't do anything to uh, you know um, cause him to you know come after me again or anything, I don't think. But it was a it was an interesting little thing. With Paul. Interesting. And since then, no problems at all. Good okay, guy. Good. Played golf with him, as a matter of fact. Okay, 
Um, so anyway, Blue Jays, after their Big Ten 9 win, uh, uh, get a day off in St. Lou, but it's uh, back at it tomorrow and Sunday. Uh, Gosman tomorrow, Bassett Sunday. And by the way, the Adam Wainwright singing of the national anthem, uh, the Roy Lee Jackson one, he was so good. I remember it was so good. And, and it was like, um, at the time, the national anthems weren't sung before every game. They were played, but there wasn't a singer before every game, right? It wasn't very now to sing the national anthem. For special occasions, there was, but they just played a recording of it. Do you remember this, Mike? Because you can't tell me who the anthem singer was for Blue Jay games, can you? Well, we didn't have a go-to anthem singer, right? right? That's right. Yeah. We didn't. Here's what we had to go to, the organist. Right. We had a go-to organist. We had Ralph Fraser, right? right? You know, we had that was the organist. The same thing at uh, Leaf Games. It was a recording. Or it was the organ. You didn't always parade somebody out to sing the national anthem. No, no you're right. Now you're right. No, you jogged no. a memory there. Absolutely. No. You're right. Every team, every team was like that. Okay, Yankees didn't have it. Now to sing the national anthem. Fuck off. Fuck off. For a big game, sure. But come on. We played every game, every single game. We hear this every single game. It's just... <laughs> Right, I think they played. A, I think in the Yankee Stadium they played a rendition by I think maybe by Robert Merrill of the Metropolitan Opera Company or something. There was a recording they would play a special, a particular recording that was just a fabulous one. I think after Roger Doucette died in Montreal, they played a recording of mm -hmm. Roger Doucette up on the big screen singing, you know, O Canada in English and French. Fantastic, but I don't, you know, I, there wasn't always an anthem singer. It came out before every game, and now there is, and it's starting pitchers are doing it, and next you're going to have everybody, okay? Now the shortstop will be singing his version of the national anthem. Like, remember, I remember when, like, I remember when, you know, for the World Series or something like that, they would trot out, like, a big star, you know, for the, for the national anthem, and still do. Like sure. the biggest of the big stars for the World Series. Right. But they never had it during regular games. I remember one year in Detroit, they had Jose Feliciano. Okay. The blind folk singer, Mexican folk singer, mm -hmm. come out there and like they sat him at second base and he did a version of, of the Star Spangled Banner that no one, like he was like, oh, say, people were like, what the, what's this? <laughs> and, then, and then pretty soon you've got, you know, country star Glenn Campbell is going to now Robert Goulet will say, Robert Goulet sang the national anthem before the, the, wow. the, the Sonny Liston Cassius Clay fight and he fucked up the words. He didn't, he screwed up the words. Come on. Like, how do you do that? So that started this, you know, and then Roseanne well, Barr Canadian, did it right? and Frank Carl Lewis, and it just became like, okay, who wants to do it? Anybody want to do the national anthem? So stop it already. Uh, okay. Um, bunch of games yesterday, less than two and a half hours. Beautiful. And there were a few like the Jays game that went over three hours. Generally, um, um, opening day is an outlier when it comes to time of game. But you can see, for the most part, that everybody loves the pitch clock. Loves the pace of play. Maybe not Marcus Stroman, who was the first pitcher in the history of Major League Baseball to, um, you know, be charged with a ball uh, because of a time clock violation. Woohoo, trivia, Marcus Stroman. That's great. Um, what does it do, though, for companies like Rogers? Mike, think about this. You, you've got a window. Your program, it used to be for, you know, if it's a network game and you're, you know, you've got to get to the news at 11 o'clock, that's one thing. But on Sportsnet, they're, they're not going to get out of the post-game show because they've got this, unless it's another live event, right? So now if the games are going to be a half-hour show 
shorter or 20 minutes shorter, that means that Roger's kind of going, wait a second now, what about that window, that four hours or five hours or whatever we've budgeted for pre and post and the game itself? We're going to have to have to extend the post game show, right? Like we're gonna have to come up with a reason now to sure. make it a longer post game. We got more time to fill, right? Because the advertisers who were thinking, oh, we're gonna get our spots in between the seventh and eighth inning, it's like, well, not so fast anymore. We're gonna stick you on the end of the show. We're gonna put you in but, the but, post game. But, but, but I have a question. But so breaks are breaks, right? Advertising. Like, break. no, no, no. We can sell more, Mike. You can yeah. sell more. Think about this. You can sell more advertising in your block in your three hour block. Instead of that three hour block being um, eighteen half inning breaks right? That three-hour block now has your 18 half-inning breaks plus more, more time, 27, 26 more minutes of a post-game show where you can take a break whenever you want to. So you sell it as the whole package, right? In this three-hour time slot, you're going to get this many spots. Now, they may not all be during the game because the game is now shorter. It'll be in the post-game show with Tim McAuliffe and Ken Reed and Joe Siddle and, and, and Jamie Campbell and Hazel May and Ben Nicholson-Smith, and Shai Davidi, and, and Keegan Matheson, and no, he, he's MLB, MLB. And, yeah. and who am I missing? Uh, Arden Zwelling, and, 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 uh, and I'm missing who else? Oh, and Buck, and Dan. We got, we got everybody for the post-game show. We're going to give you highlights from other games. You're not even going to know that you're watching Sportsnet Central. It's going to be seamless. The post-game show will just morph into Sportsnet Central, which morphs into your next game, and you'll be watching us for the full time. So they're going to make more money because the actual time of game is shorter. Not fewer breaks, just shorter in that window. Now you can sell a four-hour window if you're Rogers. Pre-game show starts here. First pitch is here. Game ends here. Post-game show goes to there. There you go. Beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. So Tim and Friends, which previously was called Tim and Sid, will end its run on April 11th, which is opening day at the newly renovated Rogers Center. Tim already part of, like, they just went, okay, and we got Jay starting. Why don't we just do this with Tim? Why don't we say, look, the show's over on April 11th. Tim, just you, Theater, you're on. You're still under contract, and we love what you do. Let's just slide you into a role in on a desk. You, you, you're still sitting at a desk. You're at a desk. You're still doing the same thing. You're commenting. You're doing highlights. You're whatever. You're, it's just not Tim and Friends. Okay. So good on him for that. Um, and, um, you know, longer postgame show is good. If you're a baseball fan, like, it's like, I can't get enough. And by the way, how long before John Schneider meets the media? And can I hear from, you know, when you add all the clips and the time that it takes, um, during the postgame show to just, you know, get the clips and say, okay, let's go to John Schneider. He's at the podium right now. And beautiful. It's more pro. It's great. Let's take a break. We'll sell some commercials, uh, you know, and we'll be back with uh, an interview with so-and-so. And then Joe Siddle's final thoughts. And Jamie's final thoughts and Dan's final thoughts and Buck's final thoughts. And then we'll get Hazel's final thoughts. We'll get Ben and Arden and Shy's final thoughts. And we'll just, we'll just do nothing but baseball. Nothing but until it's time for hockey. <laughs> Why Noah Rashma? Because remember, they got play. Remember, they got playoffs. They got, yeah. the, they got the Stanley Cup. <laughs> right. Why well, no? that going to work? Why no Arash Madani? Sportsnet on the, one, uh, Sportsnet now, Sportsnet three, Sportsnet eight. Right, the balancing okay. act. Hockey here, more hockey there, 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 and there, and there, and baseball over there. Well, Leaf playoff games will be on uh, CBC, so I know where to find them. But but why no Arash Madani on the Sportsnet uh, telecast? Do you know? I know why not Arash. Like Arash I was part of the don't. Sportsnet Blue Jay broadcasts, and yes, not, he was, but not this year. Well, a few years ago, Barry Davis was part of the Sportsnet Blue Jay broadcasts. 
That is true. That is true. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know reasons why people are, you know, replaced or whatever. Um, It's tough business, you know. But, you know, but Barry was let go. Uh, Rash is still with Sportsnet. He's just. Well, I don't know what his contractual situation is. And plus, Rash does other sports as well. Yeah, lots of sports. Lots. Um, He was covering the World Baseball uh, Classic instead of spring training. Knows stuff. He's a great, I hear he's a hell of a tennis player, Arash. He's a really good tennis player. Uh, well, I would like to take him on. That'd be, let's see how he is at pickleball. Let's just see. Let's just see. Um, there were a bunch of games, uh, like I said, less than two and a half hours yesterday. So the pitch clock, beautiful, all good. Um, everything about the broadcasts uh, I enjoyed. Um, as long as they don't call the Scotiabank Arena the friendly confines on Rogers ever again, then I'm okay with that. Just please don't just, ah. Uh, that bothered me. It's I'm I'm kind of I'm weird that way though. I mean, just like come on, like be like have an original thought. I mean, this is a pre-recorded opening to a Leaf hockey game at Scotiabank Arena. Have an original thought. Oh, let's call it the friendly confine. No, you can't. It's taken. It's taken. Hepsi, before we move on to NBA action, though, I need to uh, ask you a question on behalf of Brian Gerstein, who. He read a Howard Berger piece that said uh, Bobcat would come back to 590 if they made him an offer or whatever. And, of course, Rogers is doesn't sound like they're interested at all in this. But I'm curious if you think uh, Bobcat returns to 590 now that, you know, Tim and friends are gone. I don't think anybody goes on radio ever again. I think it's time. <laughs> okay. You can see they're not even sending Ben Wagner on the road. There's two teams in all of major, major league baseball. They don't send their announcers, their radio announcers on the road. California Angels and the Toronto Blue Jays. Like, why? Like, that to me is just cheap. And so if you listen to the people that they have on the air, for the most part, they, they cheaped out. They don't have, you know, their morning show or two people no one had ever heard of before. Uh, the other guy is, you know, not a high-profile guy. The McCowan, Shannon, you know, all that is uh, it's brunt and all that. The good old days is forget about it. They've basically conceded to TSN in the afternoon and overdrive. And this talk of, oh, how are they going to tinker with their radio lineup to me is a joke because no one's, people aren't listening. They're not listening to sports radio um, the way they were. And they're not listening to the fan because like, as I've told you before, it wasn't that many years ago, they had a fan had a solid lineup and now it's all over the place, man. I don't even know who's on anymore. I mean, think about this. They had McCown, they had Tim and Sid leading into McCowan. They had Brady and Walker. They had, uh, you know, it's not worth it to them. You can tell Rogers is not going, okay, what are we going to do about radio? Come on over here. And also with radio, what they've done is they've taken a lot of the big positions in radio and just sort of consolidated them. You're now the assistant program director, the assistant program, the assistant, the assistant, and you're the general manager and you're running six stations from here over there. You're programming those stations there and yeah. this station over here. Right. And okay, do you know Julie Adam? Yes, no, she was on the other side of Rogers. It's That's all it is. It's like, what do you want to do? So to me, the people that are running even running them. I don't even know if they know anything about sports or even if they have an idea, a vision of what sports radio should be because they're late to the, the dance when it comes to the podcast part of it. I mean, if you really wanted to do it, you would, it would be the podcast. Like the, like, like the, the Kipper, uh, Nick Kiprios and Justin Bourne have a great show. I don't listen to it in the afternoons on 590. I listen to the podcast. It's great. Really good. But they should have been cultivating this a long time ago. Podcast listeners have found other things, their favorite shows that gets the information earlier. Now you got to get those, but to get them to tune in at a certain time on the radio, 
No, not anymore. What is this, 1983? But Overdrive does it, right? Like, I know people who tune into Overdrive, like, on the radio. On the radio? Yeah. Or on TV? They got it on in the background when they're at home. I have, I don't know, I have to get back to you. Because I never (laughs) listen to it on the radio. I listen to it, I, you know, I've got the TV on. It's on from four to seven, right? I'm not in the car. I'm at home. If I was in the car, I probably would, but I'm not in the car between four and seven for the most part. Anyway. We'll see. But, but remember, too, I mean, even with radio, it's like, I mean, the fan or, or TSN 1050 is like, what's on tonight? Raptors on? Leafs? What, what do we got? Who's on? Who's doing the game? Is it Eric Smith? Paul Jones? Who is it? Taddy? No? Uh, oh, that's radio? No. T- free game? Who, t- Chuck? Chuck Sorsky? He's not with us. <laughs> Jack, Jack Armstrong? Is it Leo? Right. Is it Jack? Jack or Leo? Is it the girl? Is it Savannah? Or is it Kayla Gray? Is it? <laughs> no consistency. Who's, where's the game? Who's doing it? At least when they do the NBA games, it's the same people, right? The panel, it's pretty much. But with hockey, it's like, oh, who's it today? Fucking drive you crazy. Raptors, by the way, very alive, very much alive. Um, when it comes to the NBA playoff picture, they're at 500 for the first time in over three months. Might end up propelling themselves into eighth place, maybe seventh by the time all said and done. They're in Philadelphia tonight. That's always a good battle with the Sixers. And after that, listen to this road trip to finish the season. They play twice in Charlotte. So they go to Charlotte for Sunday, then they get a day off. I don't know, maybe they go to Pinehurst, play a little golf on the Monday, come back on Tuesday, play Charlotte again. Then as soon as the Charlotte game's over, it's up to Boston. And they play in Boston twice. They play Wednesday in Boston, next Wednesday, and then next Friday in Boston. Okay? So they get a day off in between. So what do you do on the Thursday? Are there Red Sox at home? What do we do? Go for a little skull on the Charles River? I don't know. And then the Raptors come home for Easter Sunday and finish the regular season against Milwaukee. Meanwhile, the Atlanta Hawks, the team that are tied with them for eighth place, are at the Nets tonight, then are home to the Mavericks, on the road to Chicago, home to Washington, home to the Sixers, and they finish in Boston on Easter Sunday. we got to beat those guys out. The play-ins begin two days later. The Raptors are hoping for that 7-8 game against Miami. They might even host that game. If they can win, I don't know, three? If they can win four out of six, I think they'll host that game. That'd be great. Uh, they can start tonight in Philadelphia. Gary Trent Jr. is a game-time decision, or GTD, as they like to say, uh, as his guard, Will Barton. He was the guy I couldn't think of his name last right. week right. or a couple weeks ago. Who is that guy? And I was thinking for, I was thinking of Ray for Alston for some stupid reason, but I could not, like, who? what's his name? And he's a terrible player, but he's kind of like, I don't know, the best of, the, of a bad bunch of backups. And that bench is what... I don't know. It's what's probably the biggest concern for the Raptors. They're playing some pretty good basketball. Pretty, pretty good. Pretty, pretty, uh, pretty good. Of note, the Sixers are a lock for the three seed in the East, and they have an outside chance to make the number two seed if Boston falters. Okay. There's a question about Alvin Williams from our YouTube listeners. What, what was the question? Look at this great communication awesome. we have today. There's a question. Your live YouTube channel. And for those listening to the podcast, we're live on Hebsey's YouTube channel every Friday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern. Yeah, what do you think of Alvin Williams uh, on YouTube? There's some chatter that uh, they're missing Leo, and Alvin is not very good. And I'm curious, what's your take on Alvin Williams? You know what my take is. I've said this many times before. You know. We've well, done this remind, me, back, remind me. Remind me. Go back to episode 217, episode 232. My <laughs> attitude is that Alvin Williams is lousy, and the only reason he's in there is because he's part of the Raptors organization, I guess, right? He's... He played for them. He was a director, player, developer, whatever his titles were. He's an in-house guy. He's not critical. Leo could be critical. Mm. Jack Armstrong could be critical. 
But Alvin Williams is just very go with the flow. But he's not a wordsmith. He's not particularly articulate. He doesn't give me any insight the way Leo would give me insight, the way Jack, even though Jack is that get that garbage out of here, he's become too a little too much of that, um, a little too affected. I think he's great, but it's sort of he gets this thing in his head. I think they expect me to say, get that garbage out of here, and it's just become, you know. Like a cartoon or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Affected. He's just too affected that way. Like he's sort of a yeah. He's a. It's you become a parody a of yourself, a, char- a characterization yes. of himself, of his own self. It's like a caricature. It would be, we, it he, would be like yeah, yeah. It would be like me walking around going yes guy, yes guy, or Jimbo, yes guy, yes guy, yes guy, yes guy. Yes, well, he yes, kind of does. He kind of does that, right? Yes guy, yes guy. He does lean in on that one. He's got it patented. I know. That's why I owe him so much money. He sends me invoices. All right, let's go to hockey now. And the Tampa Bay Lightning are starting to make some noise, and that's bad news for Maple Leaf Nation. After dropping four straight for the first time in over a decade, the Bolts have bounced back with two straight impressive wins, including last night's 5-1 skewering of the Washington Capitals. The Capitals will not make the playoffs this year. Darn it. Means we won't get to see Alexander Putin. I mean, Ovechkin. Darn. Did he ever break his Aww. leg? We we wished it on him. It didn't he happen. Well, right? right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's how many goals away from Gretzky? Oh. Okay, comrade. Thanks. <laughs> By the way, thanks. Unbelievable. Um, Tampa coach John Cooper, to me, is the smartest coach in the league. He's, it's sort of like, listen, we're going to be busting our balls here in game 67, game 68 of the season. We want to be ready for the playoffs. We've been there before. So they look like shit. And then he knows that when they come out of it, just in time for the playoffs, looking pretty, pretty good. Um, uh, The Bolts come to Toronto, by the way, the same night that the Blue Jays have their home opener against the Tigers. That's April the 11th. So you get to see a preview of the playoff series, right? Because like, you know, all right, it's two games. It's yeah. Two games before the playoffs. It's the second last game of the season. So it's like, yeah, we'll see you in a couple of days in the playoffs. So it should be, I'm hoping it would be a really good, preview there um you know tampa toronto and mm, leafs should have the home ice advantage but on the same night the blue jays have their home winner against the tigers the idea to me would have been this is great i'm going to go to toronto i'm going to see the jays tigers in the home opener at like whatever three o'clock in the afternoon and then i'm going to go walk stagger down the street and i'm going to see the leafs play the bolts but no mike both games are seven o'clock starts seven o'clock you know what it's going to be like down there i mean nuts that's why you got to bike, bike to these games. It's going to be 60,000, 70,000 people on right. a Tuesday. Right. Rush hour. Crazy. How off? Of, here's the question. How early do you get down there? 7 o'clock starts. 7.07 for the baseball game. 7, probably around the same for the hockey game. What time do you get down? Well, you got to get there for 6. If you're watching on television, what, what are you watching? You watching the home opener or are you watching Leafs Bolts? It's not a playoff game. No, I'm watching the home. I'm watching the Jays. I, I'm I'm actually not watching much Leafs until playoff time because I'm kind of I find it boring. Like it doesn't matter. Like I'm just so if lip- you had, all right. So if you had tickets for both games, yeah, you only go to one. Which one would you go to? Great question. Great, great, great question. Uh, I'm noodling it quickly in my mind. It's not a playoff game for either team. I'm kind of feeling. I'm. Home you opener. know what? I think I'm. I'm going to the home opener. Yes. Okay. What if it was a playoff game? Leafs Tampa yeah. game one, home opener for the Jets. Uh Leafs Tampa. <laughs> yeah, no. So tickets. Th- Who's looking for tickets? Tickets, tickets, <laughs> tickets. Who wants tickets, John? Jays? See, to me, to me, the Leafs playoff tickets. game trumps a regular season Jays game, but a season opener for the a home opener. Sorry for the Jays trumps a uh, regular season Leafs game. 
which game is more likely to see a drunk person um, <laughs> jump onto the playing surface? Oh, that's Jays for sure. 100%. Okay. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> uh, maybe believes are in Ottawa tomorrow night. The Sens are barely alive, but they are alive in the wild card race. And people are really excited about this Senators team. And why not? Eh? With all the shit they've gone through over the years, I'm sure Ryan Reynolds is like, pretty good team. Um, Ottawa still chose Pittsburgh by five points for the final um, wild card spot there in the East. They got to jump over Florida as well to grab that spot. But stranger things have happened. I think it would be fabulous. I would really, you know, I kind of have a, a soft spot for Ottawa, simply because the fucking franchise is in the middle of nowhere. The arena is way the fuck out in Yachopitzville, past Yachopitzville. Yeah, Kanata. Way out there. Nobody in their right mind is going from from the east is going to drive all the way out there for a for a midweek game, especially the way the team has been playing over the last number of years and all the questions surrounding ownership and stuff like that. But now, now it's like exciting, man. And they're and and maybe they're going to build on this LeBreton Flats, which is you know the government has uh, some you know owns some of it and. Uh, Brand new stadium near the downtown and revitalizing the senators. Yeah, it's got to be downtown. It's got to be downtown. <clears throat> I know Ottawa pretty well because I used to spend some time there. In my first marriage, my in-law lived there. And I will say it, it's in an awful place, totally car dependent. And downtown is such a cool, walkable city, uh, Ottawa. Stick it there. It'll be uh, bananas. It'll be amazing. <clears throat> Excuse me. But why do you have a soft spot for Ottawa? I don't. I never had any soft spot. Well, I, for spent, I spent a lot of time in Ottawa when I, I did radio in Ottawa. When Ottawa, you think about this. When the Senators first, <clears throat> excuse me. When the Senators first began, yeah. So ninety two, ninety three, <clears throat> the station in Ottawa switched to an all sports station, OSR, mm. Ottawa Sports Radio. Okay. <clears throat> excuse me. And so, I was working for Headline Sports at the time. And they said, we would love to have you on the afternoon uh, show, the afternoon all sports station with um, John Rodenberg, JR. And we think you, you guys would be great together. And you can do the shows out of a remote studio in Toronto. And you can come to Ottawa a couple of days a week. Wow. Right? <clears throat> and do the shows like in the studios here. So I took this gig. And for about six months, I would travel back and forth to Ottawa every week on thir Thursday. I think I would go Thursday. So I would do the Thursday evening show, Thursday afternoon show there, stay over Thursday night, do the Friday show as well there. And then right after the show, Friday, around seven or eight o'clock, I would go to the airport and then fly home. Oh. I did that every week for like six months. And so I became a fan of the, <clears throat> excuse me, the senators. Yashin was playing for them at the time and Daniel Alfredson and they're a pretty good team. And, um, you know, I like the organization, some nice, super nice people in the Ottawa media. I met some, you know, made some good friends there and have always, you know, um, hope that they're successful. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, not at the expense of the Maple Leafs, of course, but still you want to see them do well, right? More so than other Canadian teams. Like, I don't care what happens in Winnipeg or Calgary or Edmonton or Vancouver. Right. <clears throat> A little bit in Montreal. <clears throat> well, I don't know what happened here, Mike. But I yeah, well, if you want to get a drink of water, I'll just... Let people know, because I got a question on the YouTube channel of what jersey am I wearing? And this is number 11, George Bell. And that's because Hebsey once got this. Hi, I'm George Bell. You listen to Toronto, Mike. Hebsey once secured that uh, fine audio. Uh, good job there. Uh, filling in for me while I... <laughs> I don't know what happened here. Um, so I'm watching TV the other night. You know, um, I, I think I know why the SN Hockey Panel is so much better than any of the other panels that they have on Sportsnet um, because it's always a different panel on Sportsnet, right? Number one, 
mm -hmm. consistency. It's the same familiar faces on the TSN panel. I've mentioned this before. No surprises there. The other thing I've noticed is on the TSN panel, they, how do I say this? They talk to each other, right? And the camera picks it up. The director picks up. The, so it's a conversation. So it's like you're listening in on a conversation. Like James Duffy doesn't turn to the camera <clears throat> when he's talking to Jeff O'Neill. He's talking to Jeff O'Neill's face and the camera, uh, you know, picks up that part of that conversation, either on a wide shot or a reaction shot from maybe Duffy's, you know, nodding at what O'Neill's saying or a two shot, whatever it is. But on Sportsnet, and this is the reason I can't watch Jennifer Botterill, is she never looks you in the eye, right? Because every one of them, when they know they're on a close-up, okay, that's me, this is my camera. I'm looking at the camera and I'm talking to the fans, right? But I can't be looking at the camera talking to the fans and I'm talking to you and I'm talking to you and I'm talking to you and I'm talking like this because you never make eye contact with me for more than half a second. <clears throat> and there's something, what's the word I'm thinking of? Uh, uh, it makes it untrustworthy. Like look mm -hmm. me in the eye and tell me that the reason Austin Matthews is so successful is blah, blah, blah. But don't be talking to me and then talking to him and then talking to me and talking to her. And if you look at it, she looks here, then looks there, then looks here, then looks there, and talks like this, and never for a second is, right? And on TSN, whoever the panelist is, Dave Poulin or Cheryl Pounder or O'Neill or, or Drager, when it's time for them to talk to the camera, they look at the camera and they talk to the camera. That's the viewer. I'm telling you right now, here's what's going to happen with the Maple Leafs in the draft. Da, 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 da. He's not going, here's what's going to happen now. No, because that's your camera there. If it's a wide shot, that's okay. You don't have to look into a particular camera. So that's my problem with Sportsnet is a lot of times, especially I've noticed with Jennifer Botterill, I'm not comfortable with what she's saying because she's not looking at me. She's not talking to me. And the way they direct that show, they should be, the camera angle should be such that she shouldn't have to look at her own camera. Just pick her up. Just let, that way she can talk to whoever has asked her the question. She doesn't have to look. When you're at a party and you're talking to someone, do you talk to that person and then talk to this person and go over here then go over there and then look back? <laughs> Not ever make eye contact with anyone? No. Okay. I never thought of this, Hebsey. Interesting, uh, interesting. Uh... <clears throat> Yeah. assessment there really interesting that's okay. just you know the way it is go watch the tsn panel and take a look so on this They're program back and forth dave poolin doesn't go back and forth he doesn't he doesn't go like that he doesn't go well james no no no, no. well o'neill well he doesn't do that watch the tnt panel right i mean they may do it briefly to acknowledge the other person's there but for the most part they're focused on the viewer or the person that they're talking to one-on-one -on -one. and the camera the director will pick that up he'll say camera two truck over a little bit to the left and give me a little over the shoulder shot of kenny smith talking to Shaq and his reaction now let's cut to a wide shot of the panel because over there charles has got his hand up oh 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 kenny's now gesticulating okay widen out a little bit here and, and just you know, truck over a little bit right and give me that angle right right so that kenny isn't feel that he has to talk to the camera then to you then to you then to you so whoever's teaching these people has got to say listen this person is not capable of looking into the camera with a warm look, with a with a, an authoritative look and, and talking, making love to the camera, as they call it. Instead, this person is, is looking over there and talking over there. And if that's the case, then don't put them on that camera. Get a different angle of them. So they're not feel compelled to, I'm looking at you, I'm looking at you, I hate that. It just drives me nuts. It's television, man. Keep my attention by looking at me. 
or looking at what, the person that's that you're talking to and let me eavesdrop on that conversation. Good production notes. I never thought of that. Very interesting. You mentioned, thank you. You mentioned Steve Buffery, 38 years at the Toronto Sun. You were at his retirement uh, party, I guess he it was. He took a, yesterday. a package was offered and he said, I'll take it. Good for him. Um, so we bid a fond farewell to Steve from the Toronto Sun. Also, Austin Delaney, 42 years at CFTO in Toronto, Channel 9, Cable 8. 42. He wasn't a sports reporter. I'm, he did. I'm sure he did sports stories when they became part of news. But 42 years is pretty darn good. But 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 somebody, I think it was, was it CTV? Who I'm, I'm trying to think who posted it. It might have been the Toronto Sun. But somebody posted something that said, you know, Austin Delaney, 72-year-old Austin Delaney. I'm like, wait, wait no. a second. No, no, no. Somebody didn't somebody didn't do their um uh didn't do their research. Okay. Oh, big surprise. Somebody didn't do their research. Woo-hoo. So same deal um, with anyway, him as with Buffery. Uh, uh he got offered a package and he said, I'll take it. So I think he was yeah, waiting yeah. for those uh rounds of packages that get offered so right. so obviously so often. And you did an interview, and I haven't listened to it yet. Don't give too much away. Okay. But uh, Michael Trakos, also from Post Media, excellent sports writer. You did a show with him the other day. Yesterday. Did he get a package to leave as well? Uh-huh. Oh, His story is not as happy as the uh, the buffery and the Delaney story where they got these uh, packages to retire, if you will. Uh, Trakos was just a victim of cost cutting. So I guess he got whatever severance was owed to him. But uh, yeah, after like almost That's 20 years at uh, the National Post. Wow. Yeah, so the whole okay. story, yesterday he came by, sat here, and uh, we had a pretty good chat. So you can check that out in Toronto Mike. All right, beautiful. <laughs> uh, let's go to tennis now. Back in 2019, you remember uh, this young phenom named Bianca Andreescu thrilled the tennis world by winning Indian Wells, the Rogers Cup, and eventually the U.S. Open over Serena Williams. There was only one way to go down from there. Only one way to go down. Unless you're going to win multiple majors when you're 19, wasn't going to happen, but boy. She like fell into the abyss. Injuries, COVID, injuries, more injuries, more more injuries. Rehab, another new coach, another coach, new coach, another more injuries. And now she's starting to play better this year, a little bit better, not so much early in the season, but hey, she gets to the round of 16 in Miami, beats three pretty good players en route, including a seeded player, Sakari, the number seven seed. But then after losing the first set in a, a tiebreaker in which she begged, she was bageled by Ekaterina Alexa- Alexandrova. No. Alex. Alexandrova. Alexandra. No. How would you say that, Mike? You're on your own Alex- here, Ebsy. Alexandrova. That's it. It's Alex. It's Alexandrova. It's Ekaterina Alexandrova. Thank you. Uh, after she was bageled by Alexandrova, Bianca was trying to run down a forehand when the ball hit the net cord and she had to change direction quickly and something happened on her left ankle, <clears throat> fell to the ground, screamed out in pain. And I mean, Mike, a blood curdling scream and then yelled out, I've never felt pain like this before. Which to me is remarkable. If you're in that much pain, how can you mouth the words so articulately <clears throat> and at such a high level, volume level? But that could be true. That might have been the most pain she's experienced in her life. Like but when I separated heard, my shoulder. I've never heard anyone yell, like, not that I've been around that many people that have <clears throat> screamed out in pain in front of me, but that was horrible. Like, whoa, what happened? What happened? Like, I thought at first she got shot. Like, I thought there was a freaking sniper. 
Like, what the hell? Whoa. She okay. was running. She was running, and then she fell. She, her knee gave out on her. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, you know, you think of the injuries this girl's had. Like, you know, we've said it before that she's, you know, brittle. She's injury prone, however you want to say it. Injury riddled. Whatever the case is. Well, guess what? Yeah, she is. She tore two ligaments in her ankle. Look. And they were saying, oh, she's lucky. It could have been an Achilles tendon, which would be a right. career ender. Right. Wow. And it made me think of, maybe think of a lot of really good athletes, not just tennis players, but really good athletes that had to retire because of injury. I don't have to go over the names, Mike. You know, the famous one, like the Sandy Koufaxes and Barry Sanders. And, but, I mean, I'm thinking okay. of, like, Andrea Yeager, who was a Did Barry Sanders retire due to injury? Yeah, 30 years old. 30. But I knew he was 30, but I don't – I thought he – I didn't think it was an injury. I thought he just walked away from it. Well, it wasn't a specific injury, but he just didn't want to take the punishment anymore. I yeah, think he that's wanted different, to be able though. to walk. Now, whether he came out and said, and I don't recall that, you know, the doctors told me that if I keep playing football, I may never walk again, or whatever the case was, man, he took a lot of pounding and a lot of punishment. And what had happened to players like Billy Sims before him, I can name so many of them that, you know, Bo Jackson, whatever, it's career ender. But also, man, you may never walk again, or you may never be the same. And you're how old? You're in your 20s, your 30s. Teens. So Andrea Yeager was a really good tennis player back in the day. Chris Everett, Martina Navratilova, um, Tracy Austin. And Andrea Yeager, like she was 15, 14 years old when she was winning. She never won a major. No, she, did she win a major? No, she never won a major, but she came really close. And she was ranked number two in the world when she was like 17 years old. She retired at the age of 19. Wow. Chronic shoulder injury. Chronic. So it's happened before. Injuries take their toll, especially in a sport like tennis where you're just the pounding is incessant, right? I mean, I, I've played before and at the end of the, the game, my arm hurts or my elbow hurts because of, you know, the number of times I hit it and, you know, the... the tennis elbow. Guess, yeah, but, but even more than that, just the, you know, the, the, you know, it goes right up your arm. The, right. You know, if you're not in great shape or you haven't worked out your arm or whatever, it can do some serious damage. And if you do it for a living... You know, first of all, one of your arms is twice the size of the other one. It's freaky looking. You look at a guy like Nadal. His left arm is like this. His right arm is like a regular arm. Same with Federer, all these guys. Right? And, and women too. Um, so, yeah. Do you think uh, Bianca was being a bit of a drama queen? Is that what you're suggesting here? That you think, like, why is she yelling like that? But if she's writhing in pain, she can yell like that, right? Listen, when she won uh, at Indian Wells, I think it was Angelique Kerber at the net when they shook hands said, right. you know, you're such a drama queen. Um, you may recall last year, Mike, at the Rogers Cup. Um, it was pretty, remember they had the medical team come out that she thought she was going to collapse. Uh, she took an extra medical timeout. Uh, uh, in the tiebreaker. I forget her opponent. I really pissed the opponent off. Um, and they, they brought, they, they gave her, um, what did they give her? They, they gave her pills and they, uh, blood pressure. They checked her blood pressure and all that. And she had to lie down and another long delay. There's a lot of gamesmanship involved in Bianca Andrescu's, um, um, game. That's all I'm going to say. A lot of gamesmanship. Okay. In golf, the Valero Texas Open is already a mess. Play having been suspended yesterday because of the weather. Canadian Lick, uh, Lick Taylor, <laughs> Nick Taylor, finished at three under, two off the lead. Corey Connors at three under through nine before play was halted in the first round. A lot of the big names have taken the week off in preparation for the Monsters, which begins next Thursday. Ladies are playing the LA Open. Canadian um, uh, Maud Amy LeBlanc 
got an opening round four under par and is tied for fourth. She had seven birdies to go with uh, three bogeys on the day. Brooke Henderson not entered in this event. I mentioned the Rogers Center is going to uh, reopen. Not that reopen. Was it closed? No, there weren't. I guess they had no events there. Scheduled probably anyway. But anyway, it's going to reopen April the 11th, as I had mentioned. Uh, and uh, Rogers Center was recently ranked 27th out of 30 ballparks in a Sports Illustrated article. 27th out of 30. Uh, the only ones behind it, Anaheim, Tampa Bay, and Oakland. Okay, which are all from Anaheim. Actually, I think Anaheim might be a little better than Rogers Center. But I expect Rogers Center, I mean, they expect it to go up in the rankings. You know, once they unveil this new and improved Roger Center, uh, we'll, we'll have to see. My top three, not that anyone's asking, are uh, PNC Park in Pittsburgh, Wrigley Field in Chicago, and Camden Yards in Baltimore. Uh, minor league baseball players and Major League Baseball struck a tentative deal uh, the other day on a historic first collective bargaining agreement. Mike, did you know that AAA players, AAA baseball players, used to make $17,500 a year, Okay. Wow. On average, 17.5. Now, that season would be from, what, April to September? Uh, that kind of thing? 17.5. Guess what? 35,800 now. Double hmm. A players are going from 13,800 to $30,250. Oh, big raise. High A from 11,000 to 27,300. Single A from 11,000 to 26,200. Oh. And the complex league from $4,800, that's all they would pay you, to 19,800. What a jump. Isn't that great? Good for them. Because minor league baseball, man, is, I mean, you know, they contracted a lot of teams and it used to be the lifeblood of baseball. And in a lot of small towns, that's, that's the only entertainment, man. That's, it's the ball team. And related news, a federal judge approved a $185 million settlement in a lawsuit by minor leaguers against Major League Baseball for violating federal minimum wage laws. Mm. Okay, so not only do they get a nice big bump, like a like a one hundred percent, yeah, in some cases more than a hundred percent bump um, in pay, but uh, now there's going to be about twenty thousand players who are part of this settlement. They're going to get about it's anywhere from five thousand to fifty five hundred dollars per player as part of the settlement. It's all right, right? Like you were you were paying less than minimum wage, you motherfuckers. Pay right, up, right? Good. So that's good news. And finally, um, I've got a buddy from New York City, big sports fan, a hardcore fan of the Giants, the Knicks, the Rangers, and the Yankees. But he also wants to watch, you know, shows on um, uh, Apple TV, like, uh, I don't know. Uh, Ted Lasso. Uh, yeah, let's say Ted Lasso. And, you know, he wants to watch, uh, you know, shows on um, Netflix, like, uh, well, I don't know. Um, the Crown. Swing. Okay. Drive to Survive. Drive, drive to Survive. It's a sports show, Mike. It's I'm sorry. Show. I'm sorry. Okay. The Crown's not a sports show. Okay. No. The Crown's not a show. Although I do like The Crown. There's some polo show. in there. Yeah. And by the way, who's the queen this week on The Crown yeah. this season? Who's playing the part of The Crown? Anyway, if you add it all up, yeah. okay? First of all, if he wants to get all the over-the-air networks because he's a cord cutter, it's $876 a year for YouTube TV. Wow. It's like 70, 70 a month. But you get every network. You get all really? the network sports. You get everything. NFL, you know, Fox, NBC, ABC, all that, right? Okay. And all the golf channel and the whole deal like that. You got to pay. So that's eight seventy six a year. The Yes Network is for the Yankees, 200 a year. MSG Network is Rangers Knicks, right? The games that aren't on network television, $310 a year. Apple TV is 70 bucks a year. Netflix is 240 a year. So that's 1700 a year. US, okay. And he's complaining. So it's about 150 a month. And he's complaining. Right. I'm thinking 150 a month and I can watch everything? Like everything? Right. Everything? 
Right. That's not bad, Mike. That's not that bad. Americans only, right? That YouTube thing you're talking about, we don't, we can't do that in Canada, right? The YouTube, that YouTube uh, thing you're talking about. YouTube TV? Yeah. I've never tried. I feel like it might be an American um, thing, but why yeah. wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we be able to get? To, why? Why not? Why not? Seventy-five bucks a month. Why? I why feel like there's some licensing once you cross the. We, you got to get it like a uh, a VPN. But it's streaming. But yeah, I know. Isn't it streaming? It's still whoever has the rights. I it doesn't tried. matter. Right. If anyone knows, let us know. <laughs> let us know. Anyway, seventeen seventeen hundred okay. a year, one hundred fifty a month for everything. everything. Sign me up. Okay. Sign me up. Sold. And that's it for episode 327 of Hebsey on Sports. Oh, we ran late today, but it's okay because there's lots of good stuff to talk about. Thanks to Toronto Mike, as always, for production and inspiration. Hit him up at Toronto Mike and listen to his excellent interview show. Thanks for allowing us into your headspace. Uh, We're back with another episode next week. Tell your friends, tell your family, Hebsey on Sports. We're here every Friday. Until then, so long for now.